0: Jim Cox and I'm here today with an interview with Monica Talbert. She is the co-founder and CEO of the plant-based seafood company and um, came across I don't even know how I came across your products but <clears throat> um,
1: I think it was LinkedIn.
0: LinkedIn yeah yeah and I was intrigued because um you have a plant- based coconut shrimp, and I was intrigued ended up um, reaching out and connecting and in order to you agreed to do the the podcast but uh, what I wanted to do was try out the try out everything uh, just from a be able to know what I'm talking about and so it took a little while but uh, um You know, here we are. So uh, Monica, thanks for taking the time to chat today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: No, it's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the plant-based seafood company.
1: Sure. So I will go ahead and just give you the the full background because it kind of takes that to understand how we got to be Selling plant-based seafood in this, you know, today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a little bit of background on the company, uh, the founders, which actually happens to be my mom, Shelley Van Cleve, and myself. We're an all female, family-owned company. We started a in the seafood business about 22 years ago. Um, we started off in a tiny little seafood market. And over the years, we grew to a larger market. We sold over 300 different varieties of seafood. Um, You know, we had a, we added on a restaurant and a a little retail shop. And we ran that for about 15 years. Um, You know, it was very like close knit in the industry. We knew our, our suppliers really well. We even vacationed with our 13 years into it, we had been approached by some local retailers, asking us if we wanted to get some of our, our menu items on retail shelves. Um, not, I don't think it's a typical evolution of, of how you, you go from a restaurant to CPG company, but that's just how it happened. And I think the younger generation in the company, uh, being myself and, and my sister at the time, we, you know, kind of jumped at that. We were tired of working in a stinky crab shack, you know, for so long. <laughs> Um, and we thought, wow, CPG company getting our our fantastic you know seafood items on the retail shelf—that sounds really fascinating. And we dove you know head first into that, no pun intended. And we were successful, you know, really successful. We uh, really focused on quality and and was on QVC, and then got into onto about a thousand grocery store chains, and uh, landed on Oprah's favorite magazine on her you know her famous list. And going from a close-knit kind of seafood community to a CPG company, you 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 start going from smaller suppliers to larger global suppliers. And we were pulling containers in from Indonesia or Mexico or buying scallops from Argentina. Um, It's a very global industry. And we started to see some things that we noticed were just not right. Um, and not only were they not right and kind of unacceptable, but everyone knew about it and they just kind of turned a blind eye for
0: the most part. So like what kind of things?
1: So like a big thing, um, especially when we first started back in the day was, uh, mislabeling crab meat.
0: Hmm. Um, and that was
1: just kind of normal, you know, practice. Um,
0: mislabeling it from what? That it was actually fish, but they labeled it
1: as... They'd pull it in from Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, and they'd repack it into Chesapeake Bay crab meat. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, someone just finally went to jail for that. Uh, mm. I think about a year ago, he's still in jail for that. But, um, and then the, uh, chemical glazing was a big one that, you know, we saw. So when you buy seafood, you, uh, from wholesale, wholesale standpoint, um, when you say dry, it means chemical free. Well, that became so laughable that you actually had to say dry, dry when you meant chemical free. Wow. So I know when I would like talk to wholesalers, and I'm like, listen, I need a dry, 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 dry product. <laughs> like, because they always kept, you know, keep like pumping chemicals in. It's just common yeah. practice. Um, and then, you know, I took some sourcing trips to Indonesia and Thailand mm-hmm. and saw some really unacceptable things. And I later connected it, you know, to those regions like human trafficking and slave labor and yeah. child labor. <laughs> And it's just so rampant in the industry um, that, I mean, we had no idea how we were going to make a change. We're a tiny little, you know, small family owned company uh, looking at a, a huge global conglomerate industry. And we just thought, you know, we need to create something that consumers can trust and maybe even use it as like a, a platform to educate consumers about what's going on, because that's really the only way it's going to stop. You know, there's the WTO, World Trade Organization, has been working on ending subsidies um, that are, you know, is causing overfishing and illegal fishing for years. I think they've, and they've missed their deadline. They're not, you know, it's not, regulations are, are not what's gonna put a dent in this. And it's really consumer knowledge, but they they knew nothing. Consumers didn't know these things. And so we created a brand, Wild Skinny Clean, and that was that was our answer for it. Like that was going to be what was going to change the industry and, and educate consumers. Um, at that time, we had been developing a plant-based crab cake, and I think in the very beginning, it was just because we were fooling people and we were having fun with it that we were really starting to get into the development. And as we were coming up with better and better renditions of it and we were fooling even more people, uh, we're, you know, we're launching this, this brand at the same time. We thought, wow, everything that the plant-based crab cake stands for fits right in line with what we're trying to do with this new brand. Um, and as far as it being 100% sustainable, right? Because there's no real seafood in there. Um, this could be a pla- an, you know, even larger platform that we could stand uh, on and, and, and educate consumers. So let's just throw it in the line and, and see how it goes. And it was, you know, this was about almost two years ago. And uh, the response that we got was just absolutely incredible and had nothing to do with the original Wild Skinny Clean line. It was the plant-based crab cake. Hmm. And that was the time where we all just sat down and we thought, wow, if we want to create change in this industry and in the world and and make it a better place, we feel like if it's going to be a product line, it's going to be the plant-based seafood. And so from there, we made the decision to completely spin off all of the plant-based seafood items into a separate company to keep things separate. And, you know, pure. And that was uh, actually a year ago, we incorporated the plant-based seafood company today, May 19th, uh, a year ago, and launched the, the crab cake and the coconut shrimp and the scallop and the dusted shrimp in August under the Mind Blown brand. Mm. And um, so that's that's how we got here. It's an interesting evolution. Um, we, we didn't start out, I like to say, you know, we didn't go out looking to, to create plant-based seafood. Plant-based seafood kind of, you know, came and found us.
0: So you started off wanting to make a plant-based crab cake. Um, Now you also make scallops and coconut shrimp as well. Are there any other products or any other things that you have in the pipeline that you're looking to try to do?
1: Oh, yes. We have a very long uh, pipeline. So we're working on calamari. A big Mm. initiative for us is a a fish fillet. Um, We Mm. think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, demand. There's a big market for, you know, a fried fish fillet. That's really fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're constantly working on different renditions of shrimp, you know, more maybe a breaded shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've always been really passionate about creating awesome seafood experiences uh, for for people and uh, for consumers. And so we will be always be doing things like, a, maybe like a buffalo, you know, breaded shrimp. Mm-hmm. So really like value-added, delicious creations and you know another reason why we decided to go that route instead of just having a plain shrimp or just maybe um, like the plain crab meat that someone could take and 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 play with themselves or put into a crab cake or whatnot. We knew that it might be a tough sell in the very beginning for meat eaters to try you know a plant-based seafood. Um, I think seafood in general has a health halo to it so a lot of um, flexitarians are like, well, why, why plant-based seafood in the first place? And so we wanted it to be all about taste and our crunchy coconut shrimp, our plant-based crunchy coconut shrimp will stand up to a CPAC, pack co- you know, coconut shrimp that you get in the freezer section all day long. Yeah. I would, hands down would, would eat my plant-based coconut shrimp over, over that. Um, so taste wise, it's just a better product. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's really our focus to really get you on taste um, and, and keep innovating and creating those really tasty seafood experiences that people love.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, completely agree. And, you know, myself, I uh, became vegan, I guess, about uh, two or three years ago, probably three years ago at this point. And, um, but, and I, I like shrimp in the past um, before. But honestly, even before going vegan, I had stopped eating shrimp because I learned about the chemicals that were being pumped into shrimp. And so just from the standpoint of, again, knowing, I just refused to eat shrimp anymore because you couldn't really depend on what you're going to be eating. Um, Having cooked your your, uh, coconut shrimp and then biting into it, it was... The experience of biting into it was just like a regular shrimp. Mm-hmm. And then the taste is superior, I would say, to anything I had had before. So it was just such a, uh, an amazing experience from a, a food standpoint. Uh, I, it was really, you know, a grand slam in my, my mind.
1: Well, yeah, thank you for that. And, and you know, it's not just the chemicals that are, are being pumped into. There's a lot of issues with shrimp, but a lot of issues with seafood in general, but shrimp yeah. um, is a big one for me because I went to Indonesia and I saw the shrimp farms and, and how the shrimp are raised. And... Um, you know swimming in their their own feces and um, a lot of people just don't think about this right not everybody wants to connect the supply chain yeah. or the you know origin of their of their food yeah. um, but and then also you know most of the fish the shrimp farms are in uh, Asia where they're they've just destroyed all of these mangroves mm-hmm. um, you know to to build the the shrimp farms and and then you go wild shrimp and then, you know, you have the statistics of for every one pound of wild shrimp, you have five pounds of bycatch.
0: Oh, yeah. You no,
1: know, that that's definitely not worth your, your your pound of shrimp, knowing that five pounds of, of unintentioned, you know, species was, um, yeah. you know, died in, yeah. in the process of that. That's, it's you know, obscene. those don't feel very good.
0: No, no, not at all. So let me ask you, um, in terms of the making of your your various um, products, what is the, is it the same plant-based uh, composition at the base of all of them, or do you have multiple types of plants that you have to use in order to develop different products?
1: Yeah, so seafood is, I mean, there's, some I think, two to three hundred different sea creatures that you could create, and, and most of them have such different textures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so it's a bit difficult, you know, I think doing a, a meat patty and a meat sausage, I mean, those are two really very, like, very similar, you know, textures, mm-hmm. but doing a scallop and a crab cake are completely different. Yeah, uh,
0: exactly.
1: Calamari, so like our calamari we're working on, you know, we're using mushrooms. Um, our, our crab cake has artichoke hearts, hearts of palm, oh. green cabbage, um and then our our shrimp and our scallop have konjac which um you know gives it that that bounce back that kind of yeah. gelatin bounce back um same with our what lab. is it
0: konjac i've never heard of
1: that yeah so it's um typically grown in tropical uh, environments and it's a it's a root vegetable and when it's dried in powder form um and and processed in a certain way uh, you know and put into a mold of whatever you know mold that you 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 would like a scallop mold or, or shrimp mold it, it becomes like a, a gelatin and that's how you get that that bounce back.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at using those types of kind of base materials is it is it cost effective like the the process of getting the that particular fruit having it dried going through the molding process like can you make it cost like a cost advantage to do that? Or is it a, a cost um, overall to the whole process to kind of go those extra steps?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's something we work on a lot. So right now we are, we do not have price parity with shrimp um, mm-hmm. or or scallops. Although I, I would say we have price parity with high-end sustainable maybe shrimp, um, but there's just so much cheap seafood out there. Um, that, you know, it, that would be hard to, to compare or, or, you know, get price parity on. And all of our shrimp and scallops and even our, our crab cakes at the moment are all done by hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a, a specific process. And there's a reason why there's not a lot of plant-based seafood companies out there because trying to replicate a, a shrimp or a scallop is hard. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of hands-on for us. But and for that it, it is, you know, costly, but as you know, we scale, which, you know, we have all intentions of doing, um, you know, the, the price will come down.
0: So you talk about scaling and that really brings up the, the issue of how things have changed over the past year. I mean, you look at the, uh, you know, uh, impossible burger and, but especially beyond me coming out and going public uh, in the past year is really changed the landscape of food when, I mean, it's like a food revolution of sorts, because now it's, it's not just vegans that are kind of buying into this, but really a whole segment of society. Again, I think, for the health benefits that, um, you know, see that you don't have to give up taste in order to eat healthier um what are your thoughts about like this revolution and what you've seen in terms of the people that you talk to
1: so it's definitely a revolution 100 um it, for plant-based in the plant-based space and you know we were kind of seeing we were definitely seeing and uh, why we were creating wild skinny clean years ago um a shift in consumer behaviors so or how they were looking at their food um you know looking at it looking at their food as medicine wanting to Um, decrease their reliance on on prescription medications and just learning more and being fascinated with how food can help heal or what food does to the body. Um, And there's really just this paradigm shift that was happening, but then it it exploded when COVID hit, just absolutely exploded. Um, And then you have the game changers and what the health documentaries on Netflix and so many people I've talked to have attributed that to either them going vegan or just trying plant-based. I know Game
0: changers happens- specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. Game changers,
0: really? Why? Wow.
1: For a lot of athletes mm-hmm. um, and, and meat eaters, um, you know, my my father being one of them, watched the documentary and and you know has definitely decreased his amount of of red meat that he eats. Um, and he's a meat and potatoes guy, you know, born in mm-hmm. South Dakota. Um, I think it definitely changed people's perceptions on things, changed question narratives that they had never questioned before about the food system.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so all of these things, and then now you've coupled all of this with this like generational calling of saving the earth, right? Cause this, you have this, this yeah. climate crisis that we keep talking about and, and everything is, is about sustaining what we have and, and, um, so I think that those, you know, changes in, in health habits, and then also this generational calling of of doing something to s- help save the planet or, or to curb climate change, those two things are, are hand in hand. I think pushing this this revolution in in the plant-based space.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let me ask you. Uh, with you mentioned COVID, uh, one of the things that's happened in a, in terms of economics is. Uh, the supply chain for various companies have just totally been wrecked. Um, You're still operating your other um, seafood company. Have you seen that uh, supply chain uh, disruption hit your your regular seafood company and also the plant-based company? Like how have you, how has your two companies reacted differently to that kind of environment
1: react they're different but they're all the same so the supply chain um my gosh especially today that what's going on with we have you know a a truck driver shortage we have you know oil going up we have um just a labor shortage in general that we're dealing with this month that wasn't there three months ago but what was there three months ago was still a disruption in supply chain Mm -hmm. um i mean everything's been tested on on every supply chain that we have and um, I don't foresee that changing. In fact, I think it's going to be getting a little bit worse, hmm. unfortunately. So as
0: a business owner, how do you, how do you compensate for that? How do you deal with that going forward?
1: As much redundancy you build into your, your business model as possible. That's really the only managing
0: thing that... risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting time. I think for, for anyone that, that, is in, you know, owning a business, uh, and definitely for the, for the food industry as well.
0: Mm -hmm. What, um, what are your plans as far as with, um, expansion? How do you, how do you plan to kind of up the game, so to speak in the, in the next year or two?
1: We have huge expansion plans. Um, we are taking, um, part of our own manufacturing facility and building it out. We've just, up, you know, we have two different co-packers at the same time. Um, we are just exploding with orders. That's, you know, a that's an issue that we have. So we have this supply chain that's, you know, kind of wobbly and we're trying to build redundancy. And then we have the largest, you know, um, revenue months ever, right. And we have all these repeat orders and purchases and, um, you know, just sales interest going crazy. And, um, and so we, you know, we're in in retail now. We've just expanded in, into retail about a month ago, uh, and about a month from now, we'll be into food service. Hmm. And then we have uh, plans to export within the next two years.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, how so, how are you going? Down, to, <laughs> how are you going to afford the the expansion, though? Like, are you partnering with somebody else, or are you uh, are you fundraising? I mean. Are you able to, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, all, of
1: the, all of the above. Okay. So yeah, like for a distribution, we're signing, you know, distribution partnerships uh, for a US expansion. Um, we are about to close a fundraising round. And, and so those two things are really going to be, you know, helping us expand and grow.
0: I mean, ultimately, do you see yourself going public as a company, kind of like Beyond Meat? I mean, is that kind of the long-term goal?
1: It's not the long-term goal it, it really isn't can really? I see us doing it absolutely mm-hmm. um, it's daunting for me to think of that as, as a long-term goal right now um, mm-hmm. but we do know we do see it in our future as a possibility mm-hmm. uh, but we've honestly we've got so much going on that I think that that overwhelms me to think about
0: right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> well it changes the dynamic of the company too because it goes from being a family-based company to a different environment right so different priorities
1: and we're really enjoying building the company now we're leveraging all of our uh relationships that we've built for years um really seeing a lot of things come full circle um a lot of you know a big one of our largest partners we we see as a family unit um you know extension of our own family so we're really enjoying you know building that aspect and and so i think that's probably another reason why ipo just seems so far away but you know it's so popular in Canada right now. We have so many Canadians that call us um, mm. trying to convince us to go public right away. Um, mm. I think that uh, there's a company that, I think it's called the very good Meat company. Um, they were doing just under $2 million in sales and then went public. And then I think their offering was like, you know, 700, their uh, worth on the Canadian stock market was like 700 million or something like that. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, Obviously, there's a lot of stupid money in the market chasing stupid things. But when you look at something with actual, you know, product behind it, which is in demand, um, you gotta think that there's there's just really good future prospects for what you're doing. Yeah. So.
1: And, and we truly believe that. Um, you know, in the very beginning, I think we got a lot of pushback from the seafood industry. They're starting to warm up to it now. Um, we really just see ourselves as an extension of sustainable seafood, and there's no question about it that this world needs, you know, more robust sustainable seafood program, and whether that's aquaculture um, or you know cell-based or, or plant-based. But we can't just keep, you know, depleting the ocean oh. like we have. Um, yeah. And and we don't, you know, we we don't just see ourselves as a plant-based uh, product. I, we see ourselves as a as a solution to a problem that we see, um, you know, in the in the seafood industry. So that, and that, we don't see that going away. We will always need sustainable seafood options. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just, you know, we're a part of that.
0: I'm curious, how do you, um, how do you get the um, things that you produce, whether it's the crab cakes or the uh, coconut shrimp into, uh, the kitchens for chefs to actually add to menus um, of like restaurants. Have you thought about that? Or is that like a part of the marketing process thought? That's
1: part of our marketing plan. Um, in the very beginning, you know, we launched during COVID. And so food service was not, you know, a priority for us. We were just kind of gonna wait to see how, you know, that the Whole situation kind of you know um, kind of fleshed out, and so we were focusing on direct to consumer and retail. It is just now that we're really looking into uh, food service, and we are about to partner with two different restaurant chains in the U.S. Um, and then also, you know, a supplier that you know supplies their restaurants, and we'll work with them, uh, you know, together. But that's just something we're starting to build out now. And we get a lot of chefs that you know request samples and and you know are really intrigued with what's going on and what we're doing. Um, and and so I foresee that you know increasing and, and being the case you know
0: in the future. yeah that was actually more of my question was uh, around chefs and kind of. Is there a pushback to kind of changing things from, you know, how they've always done things in terms of cooking shrimp or, you know, injecting a, uh, a new version of that? Like, how much pushback do you actually get from, you know, high level chefs?
1: It depends on the chef. Um, I do know that I heard, you know, this was years ago with uh, one of a plant based seafood company's product that was, uh, you know, for sushi. Um, and they were having issues with the sushi chefs because they're so proud of the fish yeah. and, and it's their craft and their art. Um, and I know that they were having some pushback there. However, I think the chefs that I talk to, maybe it's because they're reaching out to me, but they're really excited to play with something new. And mm-hmm. they know that their consumers, um, you know, whoever's eating their food, they're, they're asking for new and innovative things too. And I think it's, it's exciting mm-hmm. to them. Um, and so not so much pushback, but I also haven't gone to a, you know, a, a seafood only chef and, and, given him the the products quite yet.
0: Awesome. Um, well, I appreciate your taking the time to uh, chat today. If somebody wants to reach out and learn more about the company or to, uh, order, how can they do so?
1: So go to plantbasedseafoodco.com. We're sold online. We're sold on GTFO. It's vegan.com. We are just now launching into retail. So uh, you can go on our Instagram and see all of the uh, retail locations that we're, and we're growing every single day uh, to that. So yeah. So Instagram at plantbasedseafoodco and then plantbasedseafoodco.com.
0: All right. And if they want to reach out to you personally, how can they reach out to you?
1: Monica at plantbasedseafoodco.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat today. And uh, as things uh, fill out, I definitely look forward to uh, following up with you uh, again in the future.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Bye-bye.